Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So back in episode 197, I shared with you that the underlying theme of this current suite of podcasts was influencing change in the NHS. And I specifically wanted to talk with NHS leaders around how they do this. But in this episode, I wanted to share some of the tools and techniques that I use to influence change. And hopefully you would have heard of some of these. And if you haven't, hopefully you find them useful and at the very least interesting. So the tools I want to introduce you today are positive framing, the framing effect and anchoring. And I learned these on my uh, when I did my MBA in leadership and management in healthcare. And these tools have really stuck with me. And also the reason I wanted to share them with you today is because I'm constantly having these conversations with my clients. So it really is a theory that I, I have applied into practice. And I think that we have to make so many decisions every day. The decision making sometimes is really complex and sometimes we overcomplicate it because we haven't prepared and we haven't taken into consideration our audience and we haven't fully been able to understand the risks and the benefits. So I think this is going to be a really helpful episode. So let's start with the framing effect. The framing effect is a cognitive bias that occurs when people consider a situation and it helps lead people to making different decisions based on how the problem is presented. Okay. So depending on how you frame the proposition, that will heavily influence the response and the outcome you're going to get. So if you frame something in the negative, don't be surprised if you get the negative back. The the decision, your proposition doesn't move forward. If you frame something in a positive, then the chances of your decision progressing in a favourable way is increased. So a real life example of this Um, that many of us will be able to relate to is the perceived benefit of everyday over-the-counter medications. When the packaging highlights the benefits and then in small, micro, tiny um, words in the information sheet, it will share the risks and the potential side effects. On the front of that medication packet, it doesn't emphasise the potential side effects it emphasises what the medication can do. So it's really worth remembering that when we make decisions, psychology comes into play, 
consumer behavior comes into play, marketing and messaging comes into play. So we want to lead with the benefits. We want to lead with what our proposition, what our idea, what this investment will give the recipient. It's not about us. You have to speak to what is in it for them, what is in it for your team, what is in it for your organisation and lead with the positive, lead with the benefits. It doesn't mean you don't address the risks and issues and concerns. It means you just don't lead with them. So another really good example that recently we are discussing with my primary care network colleagues is that we have a work stream called the Impact and Investment Fund. And there are lots of indicators on this scheme of work, which are where general practices and the primary care network will receive some reimbursement for achieving certain targets. And if you're listening to this for the first time, I'm not clinical, so I'm going to try to speak this scenario in complete in layman's language. So one of the targets, essentially a primary care network, is being invited to achieve is to reduce at the time of recording patient use of a blue ventolin inhaler. And that is because, and we now, and quite a few of us didn't know this, a ventolin inhaler at the time of recording has the same carbon footprint as a small car driving 175 miles or from London to Sheffield in a small car. So a pump of a blue ventilator inhaler at the time of recording, disclaimer, that has the same carbon footprint as a small car driving 175 miles. That inhaler releases significant amounts of greenhouse gases released into our environment, which leads and contributes to global warming. So healthcare providers are encouraged to switch to dry powder inhalers, which deliver the same result, but are better for the environment. And for patients currently on the blue inhaler that may not have not switched over yet, they are being encouraged to use their maintenance inhalers to reduce the amount of ventilation they need. So I think this is a really good example where you can ask somebody, can you switch from medication A to medication B? And you will get some reimbursement for it. Or you can give them a little bit more background story. You emphasise the benefits, emphasise the scale of the problem and then emphasise the solution. We also see kind of the framing effect and positive framing in full force in every supermarket that we go in. And the example I'm going to give you is, are you more likely to pick up a product which has 20% fat or are you more likely to go for the product that is 80% fat free? So I'll repeat that. Are you more likely to pick up the product which advertises that it's got 20% fat on it? Or are you more likely to choose the product which is 80% fat free? You decide. That is a framing effect. That is positive framing. So I also mentioned I was going to talk you through anchoring and how I use anchoring is that when it comes to financial decisions, you want to anchor in the first price. And I do that by choosing the highest price. So when this got talked to us um, in my finance module, in my MBA, they said, it's not uncommon for you to walk into like a Curry's or like an electrical supplier, and you might see one of the expensive TV at the front of the store. Very few people are going to buy that TV. But as you walk back, 
you're then you're more likely to see TVs and products in a lower price range. So in your mind, you've anchored in, wow, that TV costs five grand. Whew, that's quite expensive. But then as you keep walking through the store, the prices go down. And that influences your buying decision because you think you're getting a bargain. You think I could have paid five grand, but actually I'm paying, I don't, you know, I'm paying 1500. That is the power of anchoring. So when you're negotiating, some people say start low. So when you're negotiating, you may start low. When you're applying anchoring to your negotiation, you might want to start high. So a good example of this is we may, you've got a budget, we've got a budget of £150,000, which is unallocated. The network has an overall cash envelope of 900000 We've got a growing number of primary care network employees. And I think it's really, really important we better understand the HR implications of this growing team because none of us has the expertise. We've already seen numerous members of the team leave and we're really struggling to hire. I think it would be really, really helpful and beneficial to the network if we got some expertise in. I've received three quotes. One quote is 1500 one quote is 2000 and the other quote is 2500 I've had an initial conversation with all three of them and I've also managed to get some glowing testimonials from provider two, which cost £2,000. They're able to come in on Monday the 18th of September and they've also done an initial review and given us some recommendations regardless of whether we choose to go with them or not. Are you happy for me to set up a meeting? So I've anchored in, we've got £150,000 of unallocated resources. The network has a total cash envelope of 900000 We are currently recruiting, people are leaving, we need some HR support. I've sourced three quotes, I've got a testimonial and the potential provider has already done some work for us and provided some recommendations. So that's, that proposition is more likely to go forward than me just saying, I want to get some HR advice and it costs two grand. So you want to frame the benefits, the problem, the solution, your preparation in order to speed up your decision-making process. And also think about, you know, is a meeting the best place to present a new proposition to a wide audience? Do you need a formal business case to help shape your thoughts? Do you need social proof? Do you need to be a little bit more creative? Do you need to sell a vision? Really take it into consideration. I think that because we're all so busy and that we have probably been mulling through certain situations over and over and over in our head, we feel clear and then we present the idea to somebody else and they don't get it. And then you're frustrated. You're like, why don't you get it? And it's like, because you've been thinking about it for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And they've just heard it for the first time. And it's not quite been refined. You haven't sought any feedback. This is your feedback. So when you present an idea and it gets knocked back, listen to the feedback and speak to people's objections. That shows you've done your preparation. So there's a balance. You can't ignore the negatives. You need to make sure that you've done your homework. But speak to the positives. Speak, this solution can help you with X. 
and try to be as specific as possible. So some of you listen to this will think, oh, I do that all the time. It's really easy. Some of you will be listening to this and thinking, yes, Tara, I understand what you're saying. It's a bit easier said than done. And I fall into that camp. You have to work hard at this. And it takes us slowing down and preparing. And also I would recommend, you know, like start with studying how other people make decisions. Who in your networks, your organisations, your peer group, who are those people that manage to progress things? Like how do they talk? How do they prepare? How do they respond to challenges? What influence do they have? Is it positional? Is, do they have a certain perceived level of expertise? Is maybe their influence and authority linked to their social status? Are they more conformative or they do have a bit more rebellious? Study that. Don't judge it. Study that and use that studying to your advantage. And going back to marketing, don't forget that it takes... There's lots of different stats on this, but at least, at least seven times for somebody to hear your message for them to want to move forward, unless it's so compelling. So use your communication channels, word of mouth, newsletters, emails, try not to surprise people. Inevitably, you may only have a very few opportunities to speak to somebody about X. So in that interaction you need to make it a powerful interaction meaningful and you need to have done your preparation for other decisions it's a slow burn and you can run up to it and it's like a soft launch and you're constantly testing out your ideas so you have to decide you have to work back from what's the date you have to project plan your decision if we want the idea is x and we think that we can implement it in autumn what groundwork do you need to do now to make it happen? And sometimes it's got a timeline and a deadline which is out of your control. And sometimes decisions, well, often decisions will progress. People don't really want to do them, but they feel that they've got to do them. But I'm more talking about the projects and the work streams that you have got a real passion for, that you see real potential for. You really see that by doing X, Y and Z, it's going to positively improve our patient outcomes. I'm talking more about these projects, not the stuff we have to do. So hopefully this gives you some food for thought. I honestly do use this. And when I don't use it, I think, oh, Tara, you know better. You should have done X, Y, and Z. You should have. I can pinpoint to what I could have done differently almost immediately. So I hope you find this helpful and I will see you in the next episode. so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in in the next episode.